I remember when uh, I was in elementary school, my mic on, I think so. Um, I was given a, a bracelet kind of like the ones that were on your chairs today. Um, it, I just remember saying Jesus is the reason for the season and I wore it to school. And I was maybe like second, third grade or something. And another kid asked me what it meant. And I said, well, Jesus was born on Christmas Day. And so it's his birthday. And that's the point of Christmas. And the, the kid was like, no. And I was a little like, what do you mean? He was like, getting presents is the point of Christmas. And Santa's more important than Jesus because he brings the presents. And I was like, well, Jesus still lets us have presents on Christmas. And he was like, well, if it was my birthday... I wouldn't let other people have Christmas. That doesn't make any sense. And in my head, I was like, this kid's got a point. But I couldn't let, I, you know, I couldn't let him win. So I just said, well, you're a duty head. And, you know, I, I didn't really understand what being a Christian meant. Like I said, I was in second grade. But I do want to let you know that today I have a better understanding of what it means when I hear that Jesus is the reason for the season. See, while Jesus was most likely not born on December 25th, this is the time of the year that we get to recognize and celebrate the birth of Jesus, our Savior, coming to earth. And we do so in family, we do it in community, and by giving and receiving of gifts. And Jesus is the best gift that you could ever receive. We've been in our Advent series where we've been trying to slow down during this busy season and reflect on the coming of Jesus. Right? And his coming first as a baby that we're celebrating right now but also how he's still here now, changing our lives today because of his death and his resurrection. And then later, his second coming, when he'll come to restore all things. Besides Jesus being the reason for the season, Jesus also had a reason for his coming. When we read the New Testament, we find Jesus often went to the temple and he taught. He would read from the scriptures and he would teach. But only a few of those times is it recorded what he said when he taught while he was there. And one of those times is Luke chapter 4, 16 through 21. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled the scroll back up, and he handed it to the attendant, and he sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and he began to speak to them and said, The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled to this very day. Amen. See, what Jesus read was a prophecy from over a hundred years before this moment. A hundred years before Jesus walked on the earth and came and read this. And this is a passage about this coming person that would change their lives forever. All the Jews knew this scripture. They had it memorized. It was probably one of those things, you know, you walked into their house and instead of like live, laugh, love, it had this verse inscribed on their walls because it was, they were looking forward to it with everything that they had. Right? This wasn't just something that was obscure that Jesus pulled out and read. This was something that was known to them. And so that's why they all looked at him. Why did he read those scriptures? We all know that scripture. You didn't tell me anything new. That was nothing new to me. And so they're all looking at him, and he goes on to say, it's been fulfilled in me. What he read was Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2. And in Isaiah it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now this man, Jesus, walks in and says, all these things you've heard today has been fulfilled. I'm the one who have come to do all these things, the one you've been waiting for. Now, if you have any bit of church understanding, you, you'll know that the Jews did not receive him very well. But Jesus came with reason. He came with purpose. And that's why he read this verse so that people knew in his introduction, this is why he has come. To bring good news to the poor, to comfort the brokenhearted, and to bring freedom to the captives and prisoners, and proclaim the Lord's favor to those who mourn. This was Jesus' purpose. It's also the purpose that Jesus left for us to continue and to spread to the world around us. Not only did Jesus come with purpose, he came for specific people. Let's look at these people that Jesus came for. It says first that he came for the poor. Now, this isn't just the poor in financial terms, though I think it can apply here. It really implies more to those who are poor in spirit, or also translated to the word meek. A meek is someone who has been remaining silent in patient restraint, even though they feel that their world is collapsing. That's a really deep definition, right? That feeling that they're losing all hope because every solution that they've tried to find seems to come up empty-handed. Now that is what is meant by the meek, the poor in spirit. Jesus came for those whose spirits are down, for people who feel overwhelmed with life, for people who are depressed, lonely, and fearful, for those who have lost hope and are looking for answers. Jesus came specifically for you. And what did he come to do? He came to bring you good news. Now if I was the person in those situations and I've been before in my life, good news is something that I long to hear. In Jesus' first recorded sermon in Matthew 5, Jesus speaks to this. He says, God blesses those who are poor. Same translation there to poor in spirit. And realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So what's the good news? That the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's yours. To those who are poor in spirit, who are meek and are searching for answers, the kingdom of heaven is open to you. Now, what does that mean? Well, if we look at the book of Revelation, we get a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. In Revelation 21, 3 through 5, it says, look, God's home is now among his people. His kingdom is now there. He will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. But because of Jesus, we don't have to wait till the end. Jesus' good news that he preached over and over again is that the kingdom of heaven is near. Or in other words, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means it's within your grasp. It's right there for you, all of these things that are promised. Jesus came because he knows your struggle. He understands why you are poor in spirit. And he is ready to make all things new today. No more tears, no more pain. Because kingdom of God is here, and he's making all things new. See, Jesus also came for the brokenhearted. Jesus came for all those who felt crushed on the inside, whose spirits were broken. And this isn't something that's new to God. In Psalms 34, 17 through 18, it talks about the Lord's very being, and it says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Isaiah 7 is another place where we find prophecies about this coming Messiah, or Jesus, saying that the one who will come and do all of these things, his name will be Emmanuel. And the meaning of Emmanuel is God with us. Jesus came to be with those who feel crushed by the weight of the world. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus' very words were, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus came to give you a weight that you can carry, not a weight that is soul-crushing. He wants to give you something you can handle and to pass on the weight that's too much to bear. You know, these last few years have been pretty crushing. I feel like the world has been nonstop trying to break us, trying to crush people's spirits. Right, since 2020, the amount of people saying that they've experienced depression, anxiety, loneliness, and other mental struggles is still at an all-time high years later. We are, in general, broken people that was just trying to figure out life. But God has come through Jesus to bring a weight that we can carry to comfort us. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Paul, again in, in Romans 15, 13, prayed this prayer. And he snuck some really cool truth in there. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is my prayer for you today. That those who feel crushed today will be filled with comfort from the source of comfort and with joy and peace from the source of hope. God is not just the God of all comfort. He's the very source of all hope and all comfort that exists in the world. Everything that is comforting, everything that is hopeful comes from God. And if we tap into that, we will be able to overflow with that to the people around us this season. So if you've been crushed this year, Jesus came to take that pressure away and to give you a comfort and hope that will exceed all of that. In that verse in Isaiah, It says that he came to comfort the brokenhearted. And I love this, that the word comfort literally means to wrap. It literally is is a word that's like to bundle. You know, like uh, I think of, oh, well, I'm blanking on, what is the the baby swaddle? You know, we we had one for our kids because they wouldn't sleep unless they were just wrapped in those things so tight and had like Velcro on it. And then we put a ratchet strap to make it real tight because they'd sneak their arms out and all of a sudden they couldn't sleep. Because they were looking for comfort. They really, what they really wanted was our arms, but they were exhausted from ratchet strapping. But, um, right, they just wanted comfort. And that's what that word comfort, when it says God wants to come and comfort you, it's not just like a there, there, and pat on the back. It's, it's he will be your swaddle and engulf you and hold you tight until all of the pressures are gone. You are not alone. He is God with us. Jesus also came for those who are captive. Jesus came for those who are being taken captive by the world, those who are caught in addiction, those who feel that they can't get away from something, those who have habits they want to break, attitudes they want to change, because God came to set people free 
2 Peter 1, 3-4 is some of my favorite verses. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly night, life. That, those words, that sentence alone should change your life. Understanding that God has already given you everything you need for the life that he has before you. That to me is so comforting, so removes all my worries because I think 90% of what I stress about is just, am I going to be ready? Am I going to have the right things or the right knowledge? But God promises it that it's already there. We have received, past tense, you've already received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, all because of God, nothing that you do, nothing you can do, nothing you didn't do, all because of God's glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And these are promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Right? Through coming to know Jesus, you have access to everything you need to live the life that God has called you to live, including a life of freedom. Because of God, because of his glory and excellence, he promised a life that escapes the corruption of the world. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The world wants to keep you in captivity. Satan wants you to feel that you're not free. But Jesus came, his purpose is to set you free, to bring you into a life that he has for you that'll satisfy more than anything else out there in the world. Jesus also came for those who are mourning. This is always a hard time of the year for people who have lost someone or lost something this past year or even in the last few years. Know that Jesus came to the earth specifically for you. He came not only to comfort you in your times of mourning, but to proclaim the year of God's favor. Right now, this does not mean that everything is all of a sudden going to go in your favor. I didn't say to proclaim the Lord of your, or the year of your favor. All right? I want to make that clear. Sometimes we get that a little confused and just, it's all going to work better now because of God's favor. But it's not the favor of your life specifically, the things you want. But what it means is that God will go to work for everything that's best for you within his knowledge. Right? That should be comforting. I remember, I, like, as a parent, you're trying to get your kids to do stuff that they don't want to do, and you know it's for their best, right? But you're like, they, they don't care. They don't want to listen to you. They won't have it. They have every excuse, but you know it's for their best, right? And we know that as parents or as adults, but yet when it comes to God and our lives, we're pretty quick to forget it and act the same way. God, didn't you just understand if you did it my way, it would have all been better, right? Like, God, did you even see what I was trying to do? Like, we just turn into our children and then don't understand that. Often our life doesn't feel like we're in God's favor in the moment. But he has better plans. He knows our future, and we should be able to take comfort in that. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Paul in the book of Romans said it in such a comforting way. In 8.28 he says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. When we love God with our whole heart and we trust him with our lives, he will work out everything for the good purpose that he has for us. Right? This does not mean suffering. 
Right? I was just in a conversation with a friend about why hard times happen, why God allows those things. And as I was saying, as a parent, we get that because with our children, sometimes we let them suffer a little bit. We have to, otherwise they won't learn. Right? You're like, please stop doing that. It's going to hurt you. Right? That sharp pencil running around like that. No, like, whatever it is, open scissors. No, I, those things you're like, I've told you a hundred times, and you have not figured it out. Probably the little bit of life lesson learned is what you need. And that's very much God's work in our lives, because there's a purpose, and he's still working things out for our good. Romans 5, 3 through 5, Paul says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because of, he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Just like I love my kids too much to not help them grow into the very best that they can be and to prepare them for the world that lies ahead, God is an even better father to us. And he wants to help us grow and mature into the person that he created us to be so that we can handle the life that's rich and satisfying, life and life abundantly, that he wants to give to us. In the Old Testament, there were over 300 prophecies just about the coming of Jesus, just about Jesus' birth and the beginning of his, you know, few years on earth. They were given hundreds of years before Jesus walked. And all of these prophecies came true and fulfilled. In Isaiah 9, we find one of the longest prophecies about Jesus. In verse 6 of chapter 9, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Listen to these titles, those names given to Jesus. It, when it says he shall be called, it's literally like this is what he will be known for. A Wonderful Counselor. I saw a meme that said, I figured out adulting. It's just knowing how to Google stuff, right? I mean, that's pretty true, I feel like, to this day. I, I remember I, I, I'm in the right age where I grew up without Internet, and I, I didn't, we didn't have access to it like we do today, and for, same for many of you. And I remember being a kid, and, you know, you asked a question, and somebody would say an answer. You just had to embrace it, right? You had no idea, right? It's just whatever they said was like, oh, it's got to be true. How am I going to check? Right? I'm not actually going to read the encyclopedia set my parents bought me. You know, it's just going to exist there to look nice and make me look smart for people. And, right? But, but God came, Jesus came as a wonderful counselor. How many times have you felt like you have no idea what you're doing in life? Right? That I can't handle what life has given to me right now. I don't know how I got to this place. Well, Jesus came to counsel you. Right? And to do such a great job that it's going to leave you in wonder, right? A wonderful counselor that, that when he intervenes in your life, it's going to be taken care of. He's going to lead you through it, and it's going to make you sit back and go, how did I just get through that? Right? Has anybody ever been there? I've been there so many times, so many times. Again, I never read the encyclopedia set, okay? But also God would be known as a mighty God. Jesus came because he is a mighty, because he is mighty to save. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. 
He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Whatever you're going through, whatever miracle you need to happen, Jesus is interceding for you. For that to happen, he is going to God on your behalf. And he is mighty to save. Come to Jesus today to find your miracle. It says that he would also be known as our forever father. Maybe you lost a parent this season. Or maybe you never had a good father in your life. God wants to be that for you. And when you let him adopt you into his family, you never lose him. He is an eternal father. That means that he will care for you as a child. He will provide for you. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus says, So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So come to Jesus today to find the best father you could ever know. Jesus also said that he would be known as the prince of peace, the ruler of peace in this world. Maybe you just need peace in this season. Right? Anxiety has been high for everyone these last few years. And Jesus wants to give you peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. To tell God what you need, to thank him for all he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5 says, cast your anxieties on God. Cast your cares on God because he cares for you. This is what Jesus was saying when he said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, carrying those heavy burdens. Put them on me and I will give you peace instead. When your life is crazy and things are not okay, you don't think you could have peace? That's where Jesus' peace works best, when you cannot understand it. So come to Jesus for peace. If everybody could just close their eyes for a moment. Maybe you're one of those people that Jesus came for. You feel poor in spirit or brokenhearted today. Maybe you're the captive prisoner or those who are in mourning. And you need this Jesus who is a wonderful counselor, a mighty saver, an eternal father, and a ruler of peace. Well, know that Jesus has offered this all to you for free, as we read. That it's the reason for the season. You, all that you need in life, all that you're looking for, is found in Jesus. When Jesus came as a baby, he lived 33 years and then died on a cross to take away all your pain. He was beaten to bring you healing. He died and rose again to give you this new life. It was his final step in becoming all those things we talked about today. And all it takes is believing this to have Jesus in your life. If you are choosing to believe in Jesus for the first time today, and you want to accept the gift of Jesus that God has given to us, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Maybe you've strayed away from your belief. You just need an extra touch from God today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you, guys. Let me pray for you. God, I'm so glad that you are the reason for this season. 
Jesus, that you came with reason, you came with purpose, you came for a specific people even. And I think that every one of those things you came for are different stages, different moments of hardship in people's lives that we go through. And you came specifically for each one. And your very being comes with the answer for every single one of them, Lord. And I pray for those that are coming back to you today or need that extra touch from you in whatever way today. God, that they would find you, that you would be that counselor for them, that you would be that mighty savior for them. God, that you would come and bring peace to them, that you would be the father that they're looking for and provide for their needs. God, but would you come and do the only thing that you do? God, would the peace of kingdom of heaven come and encounter their lives today? As you pray, let your kingdom come into our lives. God, I pray that they would find you very much so in this season. And that all of us would be able to take this and spread it to the world. All the things that you are and all the, the very purpose that you came for, that we would come to do the same. In your name we pray. Amen. If you made a decision for Jesus today, maybe a new one or for another time, would you fill out one of those Connect cards just so we can be praying with you and reach out to you? And if you're online, you can click the Connect with Us link and just mark that you made a decision for Christ today, and we'd love to connect with you. We're ending our service just as we have been through our Advent series with a special Advent reading. And then we're going to sing Silent Night together with our candles. Um, and the kids have glow sticks so that they don't light us on fire. Uh, okay, but you guys can go ahead and come on up. Walked in darkness, have seen the great light. This is the light of the world, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. First, we light the candle for hope because Jesus is our hope. Second, we light the candle for peace because Jesus is our hope and peace. Third, we light the candle for joy because Jesus brings joy. Fourth, we light the candle for love because Jesus is love. And finally, we light the center candle. This is Christ's candle. Jesus is born. Jesus is, has come. Jesus is our salvation. Sing, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saved. Declare his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Psalms 96, verse 1 through 3. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory through his name. Bring an 
offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him and all of earth. Psalms 96, verse 7 through 9. Great God of love and light, we thank you now for the light of that special star over 2,000 years ago that guided humble shepherds and wise men to the holy baby. Lead us now by the light of your love that we also may follow you to the new life in him in celebration of the birthday of our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
hope that this Advent season has been filled with hope and peace and joy and love. And that it has flowed not just into you, but out to the world around you. And that you've come to know the source of all of these things in a deeper way. Like Noah said, we'd love to see you online with us on the 1st and then back in person with us on the 8th. And bring someone with you. Blow out your candles on the way out. There's uh, some tubs out there to put them in. But Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We're so excited that you joined us as our family here at Generations Church. Be blessed. <laughs>